Praise God. Well, I'm, I'm impressed that you come back tonight after this morning. <laughs> you got thick skins, all I can say. Amen. God's goodness and mercy I do not ever want to take for granted. And I am thankful for the touch of God this morning. What a wonderful service. What a great spirit in this place tonight. Young people, you just knocked it out of the park. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I want to tell you what. There's some of those songs that will get a hold of you. Isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? I, I, that thing got a hold of me a while back, and every time I moved, I was singing. Isn't And that other song, what was that first one they sang? Yeah, he's a good, good father. My goodness. If you ever let that message sink in, that's, that's what you want to sing. Amen. Turning back to the book of Second Chronicles, I, I was not kidding this morning when I said I was going to continue. I don't want to beat, um, certainly not a dead horse, but I don't want to run it in the ground. But I do have a message to deliver to this church and to, to God's people tonight. Second Chronicles chapter 29, you'll go back there. I think it would do all of you good. I was so stirred. I, I went back and I read again. Um, I think you have to go back to chapter 27 and uh, somewhere in there, 27, uh, 28 perhaps, when it begins the story of Ahaz, Hezekiah's father, and his reign over Israel. And, and when he put out... Uh, the lamp and he shut the doors of the temple what began to happen to the people the direction they began to go they began to sacrifice their children to the idols of Balaam and uh, Ashtaroth and many other unmentionable things they turned their backs the Bible said they turned their backs on God and as you can only imagine, their nation began to go down. Anytime anybody forgets the one true God and begins to worship the gods of this world, the way is down always. You're not going to improve your life or your family by worshiping the gods. Now, we don't have idols anymore, but there's a lot of gods in this world that are a lot of folks are worshiping. Thank God for a Hezekiah. I have read Hezekiah's story, but I've never paid a lot of attention to its beginning because he made some mistakes in the end that we seem to focus on. But I want to tell you that he began right. And as a 25-year-old young man, he decided that he did not want to live in darkness and that the problems of the people of God... Uh, it was not social. You can fix the social structure. You can fix the moral fabric. But if you don't touch the spiritual life of a people, you cannot change people. And so he went to that place of beginnings. And he went to the temple that had been forgotten and desecrated. And he began to describe to us what happened, and they had put out the lamps. Verse number 7, 
in chapter 29, Second Chronicles. And he said, And also they have shut up the doors of the porch and have put out the lamps and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, and to hissing, as you see with your eyes. For lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Now it is in mine heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his fierce wrath may be turned away from us. My sons, be not now negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and that you should minister unto him and burn incense. Then the Levites arose and thus began a restoration of God's people. Amen. God, help me tonight to say what you want me to say. Stir up the heart of your people. And I thank you for what you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I do want to put an addendum to this tonight. I will not finish tonight. Amen. If I did, it would be midnight. And I know that you can only stand as much as your body can sit. And some of you, like me, you can't sit still very long. Amen. Amen. I hope this morning that I helped you understand the importance of light. How desperately we need light in the hour in which we live. I want to stress to you tonight and to our young people to our children, how essential light is to life. All of the growing living things of the earth have their substance from light. They receive the nutrients and necessary elements of growth from light. What a difference light makes. And it is, it is interesting that when you go back to God's initial words in the beginning of time, Genesis 1 and 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And in verse number 4, the Bible said, and God saw the light, that it was good. And he divided the light from the darkness. That verse right there, has, it has spoken to me over and over the last few years especially. The line that God drew between light and darkness. And he did not call darkness good. The only thing that he mentioned that was good was light. It is very important that you and I don't begin to call darkness good. Because in his eyes, darkness is not good. But light is always good. Amen. From the preeminence of that light that shone from the beginning, the scriptures are replete with an understanding of what light uh, is to be to us. And I, I didn't have time to put them all in my notes, so I just printed them all out. And it's not all of them, but just a few of them. But let me take you on a quick journey through scripture 
and help you understand how important the light is. In Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 through 20, when Israel was on their way out of bondage and Pharaoh's army was on their backs about to overtake them, the Bible said that the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went before their face and stood between, behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them. But it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all night long. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 18 through 24 He said, what sorrow for those who drag their sins behind them with ropes made of lies and who drag wickedness behind them like a cart. They even mock God and say, hurry up and do something. We want to see what you can do. Let the Holy One of Israel carry out His plan for we want to know what it is. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. What sorrow for those who are heroes at drinking wine and boasting about all the alcohol they can hold. And they take bribes to let the wicked go free and they punish the innocent. Therefore, just as fire licks up stubble and grass and shrivels it in the flames, so their root will rot and their flowers wither, for they have rejected the law of the Lord, the light of the Lord of heaven's army, and they have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. They have turned light into darkness and darkness into light. In John 3 and 19, and he said, And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more, <laughs> more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Romans 13 and 12, the night is almost gone. The day will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of light, of right living, because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Amen. What God has to say about light goes on and on. Second Corinthians 6 and 14 says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has the believer with an unbeliever? 
And what arrangement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Ephesians said, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful." even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Amen. I don't have time to continue reading all of that, but we live in a time when light is being replaced with darkness so subtly that many of us do not even know that it's happening. Darkness is being loved more now than light because men's deeds are evil. And they do not want light because light exposes their folly and it exposes their immorality. The spirit of this age and the Spirit of Antichrist that is already working in the world would like to extinguish the lamps that have given us light through our spiritual journey. The world in which we now live would like to tell us that the lights that we have lived by are no longer necessary or they are outdated or they are too limited or they are too bigoted. They seek earnestly to do evil to those things that we stand upon tonight. And I'm not afraid of that, but I do want to wake some church people up and make you realize that we live in an exceedingly dark hour. Don't be deceived by the darkness that is around you because God still loves light and He hates darkness. And he said, light is good, but he spoke nothing of that darkness. The spirit of this age would like to work even now, and it is working tonight. What is so amazing is how subtly it is happening where the lines are being blurred and things that we love and have grown up loving and accepting are now being transformed in the culture in which we live, and they are being used to promote the agenda of a world that hates God and wants nothing to do with spiritual things. Oh, it uses the name of God, but not in the way that the Bible speaks of using the name. And when we understand the hour in which we live, it will make us more vigilant. You hear me tonight. I'm going to share some things with you. You may want to stop the ears of your children. And you may want to stop your own ears because you don't want to hear what I'm about to tell you. But I'm not telling you this so you become some hermit and cloistered away in your house and afraid to breathe and go out. What I'm telling you is you better fall in love with the truth 
and what is right and what is true and love it so dearly and put it so deeply in your children's heart and in your young people's heart that when something comes up and light is trying to be substituted for darkness, something in them will say, oh, no, no, not in my life. I'm, I'm not living in that darkness, and I'm not embracing that culture in which I now live. Amen. Brother Casey brought me something this morning. had no idea what I was going to be preaching about tonight, but after service I went into my office and read it made me sick to my stomach because I hadn't even I hadn't even noticed this myself, but I got online and began to Google, and sure enough, I found it out to be true. This is what the culture in which we now live is doing, and this is what I'm, I, I despise about people who have power and influence and they're using it for wrong purposes. But the media of our world, and especially Hollywood, has an agenda that they are pushing and they're going to shove it down our throat and they're doing it in such a subtle way that we don't even realize what's going on until it's piped into our house and we're sitting there watching it and our children are watching it and they begin to push in these little lines, these suggestive thoughts that make them think that what they've been taught by their parents or what their pastor has preached by the Bible is old-fashioned or it's outdated or it's unnecessary. And just this past year, in April of this year, ABC started a series. I think it's been on for a while, but this particular program started this April. It was aired in April. The story is called Once Upon a Time. It's a new series by ABC that has been put on prime time Sunday night. So people that are not at church tonight, if they're tuned in to ABC between 7 and 8 o'clock, they're going to get a good dose of Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time is a storyline that goes back and takes the fairy tale stories that our children and we have grown up with, Robin Hood and, 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 and Little Red Riding Hood and Snow White. And they're putting them in human fleshly form in adult manner. And they're living out these storylines. But the thing that's changing is they're twisting the storyline. And so in April of this year, in one of the episodes of Once Upon a Time, one of the characters who was portraying Sleeping Beauty or, or Dorothy from Wizard of the Oz came under a horrible spell and nothing could bring her back to life. Only the kiss of true love could resurrect her. And so you would expect them to tell the storyline as it was told. But they, did chose to, they chose to ignore that. And they inserted their own line. And so instead of having a man come and give her a kiss, they brought Little Red Riding Hood in. And Little Red Riding Hood kissed this one who was asleep, this Dorothy, this Wizard of Oz figure that our children embrace and we have embraced. And that kiss became more than a kiss. They began to make out right there on television with prime time children watching that kind of garbage. And ABC said, we want to push the agenda because it's time that our children embrace the idea that homosexuality and lesbian 
Calvinism is okay in our world. This may not be okay in any other pulpit in this city or this country, but you hear me tonight. I am not going to buy the line that we have to accept that, and we better wake up. We better wake up. We better get our eyes open and understand what's going on around us. And so the episode called Ruby Slippers that was a classic fairy tale with characters that all of us have grown up with now has merged two of them together in a lesbian relationship that they had hinted about. And the sad part is that a few years ago, Disney was the one that put the storyline first. They produced a film by the name of Melissifant. Angelina Jolie starred as the prime character and they took a story, a children's story and they twisted it so that the evil became the heroine. And it was in that storyline as it went through all of the progressions and they, they brought enough of the old story in for people to say, oh yeah, I remember that. But when it came down to a to a critical point, a little character named Aurora had come under an evil spell. And they waited for a prince to come by and kiss her and bring her back to life. And up until that point, from what I understand from my reading today, Melissapent had always despised her, but she began to have feelings for her. And so when there was no man to be found, She reached over and kissed her and brought her back to life. And what mutated from that storyline is a storyline of once upon a time called Red Slippers. That's what our world... You say, well, does that mean I can't watch Disney? That doesn't have anything to do with that. Can I not go to Disneyland? doesn't have anything to do with that. Here's what you better learn. When a teller is taught how to detect counterfeit money, They do not give them counterfeit money to play with. They give them real money. Handle that real money every day, 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 until just the feel of the money. When they slip the untrue in, they automatically can feel there's a difference there. So what I'm telling you as parents, you don't have to be afraid to live in this world, but you better put enough truth down in their heart that when that false stuff starts being filtered in, somebody said, oh, no, not in my life. I'm not going to accept that. I'm not embracing that. I'm not letting that into my family. That is not true. And I'm here to tell you that in the school year coming and in the years to come, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And if we're going to be Christians, we better be Christians now. And if we're going to be God-called people, we better stand up and make our voice heard and say, not in my house. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and praise Him. And I'm not a, I, don't want, I don't want you to go home and, you know, you, you might ought to, but you better be a little more careful about what you let your kids watch because it's feeding their mind and what they're seeing. They're being given the idea this is okay. It's on TV. It's, on, it's a movie. It must be all right. 
And somebody's got to stop that and say, hey, that's not right. That's not acceptable. We need to steer clear not only of Hollywood, but we need to steer clear of preachers that are afraid to preach the word and declare the unadulterated truth of God's word. I don't care how eloquent they are. I don't care how polished, how intelligent. I don't care how up-to-date churches may become. If they ever deviate from preaching, thus saith the word, you don't need to be connected to it. You don't even need to listen to it. Somebody asked me one time, do I ever listen to so-and-so? I said, absolutely not. I'd rather puke than listen to that. Why? Because I know that man doesn't have the courage to call black, black, and white, white, and sin, sin. He doesn't have the guts to stand up and say there is such a thing as evil and darkness. And I'm not going to listen to anybody. I don't care how smooth he is. I don't care how he makes me have good feelings. I'm not listening to somebody that will tell me one thing but live another thing. I'm not letting my life be influenced by somebody that doesn't have the courage to stand on what this book says. And folks, this book has a whole lot to say about the world we live in. You don't want it, but I can give it to you. Go, ro- go home and read Romans chapter 1 and every translation you can find it in. And then come back and tell me. Amen. I'm not, be- I'm not mad tonight. What I'm trying to do is help you understand we need light. We need churches that we need church people that will become militant if necessary and say, you know what? You're not cramming that stuff down my kid's throat. If that's what you want to teach the rest of the classroom, you teach the rest of the class that. But you're not teaching my children that. You're not going to tell them that it's okay to violate what the Word of God says. And that's one of the lamps that they're trying to put out is this good word right here. They're trying to make this book unnecessary. They're trying to make this book unpopular. They're trying to make this book unnecessary. But the Word is still a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And what a lamp it is and what a light it is. Its light can come into my home. It can come into my church. It can come into my life. It can come into my mind. And when that light comes into my life, it will transform me. I don't know of any other book in the world that you can read that can bring that kind of transformation to your life like the Word of God. Amen. Dale Carnegie or Robert Schuller or any of the rest of them. Zig Ziglar. You can read them all you want to read. John Maxwell. But none of them will do for you what this book right here will do. Amen. Oh, it's going over well. When, when life caves in around you, There is no lamp like this lamp. When life goes to pieces in your your family, there's no light like the light that this lamp gives to you. When you come to a dead end and you don't know what to do, there's no light like the light that comes from this Word. And when you have come to a place when your life is broken in pieces, there's no lamp like this one that can lead you back to a place of restoration and tell you that you can recover and you can overcome that and you can be better than that. And the world will not tell you that, but the Word will. The Word will marginalize you. They'll tell you you're an addict and you're always going to be an addict and 
you'll never be anything but an addict. But I've come to tell you that if you were in Christ Jesus, you are a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things will become new. I am not an educated drunk. I am a born-again child of God. I have been made anew, and whatever I was, I am not that anymore. Oh, yes. Paul said that the end time would be full of men who would forsake the word, and they would heap to themselves men having itching ears. I wish I had another translation to read it in, but since I don't, I'm just going to read to you the good old-fashioned King James Version. But 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 5, he said, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. The translation of that verse is that they will want to hear certain pleasing ideas that do not offend them. And they shall turn away their ears. From the truth. Amen. And shall be turned unto fables. And watch thou in all things. And endure afflictions. And do the work. He goes on to tell him. What his ministry must involve. Amen. Men want to discredit the validity of this word. They want to tell us. That it is fallible. And it is not fallible. I come to declare to you today. That this word is not filled with mistakes. There may be mistakes perhaps in the printing and perhaps in the interpretation. But there is no mistake in thus saith the Lord. Amen. I've got plenty of scripture for you tonight. There's nothing that meets any need like the word of God. It's not erroneous or filled with error. It is the infallible word of God. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse number 14 said, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. 2 Peter chapter 1. Let me go there real quick and I'll move on. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 20. He said, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last days for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. In Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, He said, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture 
is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The literal interpretation says that he breathed on them and they wrote, Amen. The word of God is not filled with error. Psalms 12 and 6, Psalms 119, 89, Proverbs 35 and 6 will tell you that his word is perfect, converting the soul. That his word is true. It is unfailing. It is not filled with error. It will prepare me for life. It will prepare me for death. And it will judge my life in the end and label me justified. I shall be judged by its message. And critics can say whatever they will about it. But this book says heaven and earth shall pass away. But my word shall not pass away. Shall never pass away. Critics set to undo it every day. I've been amazed. I've been watching Every day I go to the internet if I go on a daily basis, which I don't always do it. But every day that I go, I scan down real quick to see how many contradictions, how many articles they are putting out on the news media that try to discredit the Word of God. How many things they try to bring up to try to undermine the faith of people and make them think that this book may not, may not be the truth. It may not be what I need. It may not be all that they say it is. But I'm here to tell you this book has not failed me in the 60 years that I've been living. And it's not failed some of you, brother. I look at Brother Casey, 80-something years old, and it hasn't failed him. I look at others in this building that's been living for God and trying to live by this word. And I've seen it has not hurt them. It's made their life better. You're blessed tonight because of this book. You're blessed tonight because you embrace this book. You embrace the word and the truth. And you said, whatever it takes, God, that's what I am willing to do. The critics and criticizers of the word say it's outdated and too narrow. But I've got news for them. They are not judges of this book. This book is a judge of them. The reason men hate it is because it gives light. And men love darkness more than they love light. Church, listen to me. The lamps have gone out in a lot of places in our country, but they cannot go out in greater light. They cannot go out in this place. This word, we may sing a lot, and we may have drama, and we may have other things that go on, but it will never supersede this word. Amen. I leaned over to Brother... Colby tonight, and I said, when they get through with that song, you get up there and pray for them and then go on because I want to preach tonight. Oh, we could have had a runaway. We can do that anytime, but it's not all about runaway. It's when you quit running, do you have something to stand on? And the only thing that's going to help you stand is this word. And the Bible that is so dear to my heart tonight is under attack. And that lamp is being worked on daily. They're trying their best to put it out, the culture that we live in. You hear me. What is so? What makes me so angry tonight is they will allow a Muslim prayer in our public schools now 
They even encourage it. And they encourage them to bring the Koran to read. But they won't let these kids bring a Bible. And some child just recently, the police came in and escorted the child out of the school because he would not stop talking about the Bible to his friends. We need Holy Ghost revival, folks. We need light. We need to turn it up as bright as we can get it. Because we live in a dark world doesn't mean we have to become like that. The Bible is still the greatest book I've ever discovered. I love to read, but I've never found a word like that word. I've never found anything that could help me. The reason men hate it is because of what it represents. And it is an antithesis to their darkness. This will be a Bible-lighted church as long as I am its pastor. And if you ever get tired of that, you just let me know. And I'll move next door and put a tent up in the front parking lot of this place next door. And I'll take this book out and I'll preach from it again. Because I didn't get here from socializing. I got where I am because of this word. This word came into my heart and said, you can do better. You can overcome that. You are better than that. It helped me understand that somebody loved me. Somebody cared for me. Somebody wanted me. Somebody did something for me that nobody else could do. He died for me. And then he arose for me that I could live, that I could know what it is to shout and rejoice and jump and dance and have good times in the house of God. Call me a lunatic if you want to. I don't give a rip. (laughs) The way they call heresy is the thing that I love tonight. You can stand. I'm out of of juice. Oh, there's some lamps that we can't. That's one lamp. There's about five more of them I got to tell you about before I get through. We just cannot let that lamp go out. This little story right here of once upon a time, if you would just be honest, you will find out that it's happening far more than we even understand. The agenda. I have noticed over the last few years, and I don't hate anybody, but I do feel the same way the Word of God is, that there is, a, there is something called sin. And God makes it very clear in this book. I don't hate people. But I'm not going to embrace what God calls evil and wicked. I'm not going to. And if that offends somebody, I don't mean for it to. And I certainly don't want to be offensive in the way I preach the gospel. But over the last couple of years, I don't watch TV. You watch it, that's all. It's at your business. But I, I don't watch TV. But I have been going through... And, and I've been looking at all of the new programs, all of the new sitcoms. And I've told you this before. You go research it and find that the majority of them, all of them, I, wish, I probably could say, but I would say for safety's sake, the majority of them right now tonight are pushing the lesbian agenda, the homosexual agenda. Every one of them has at least one. Most of the new sitcoms are founded around that ideology. And you say, well, Brother Hughes, what's wrong with that? I'll tell you what's wrong with that. Is that when your kids 
see that. And they, you say, well, I don't let them. Come on, get your head out of the sand. Your kids see more than you even comprehend they see. They can go on YouTube and see it. And what they're seeing is a diet of stuff that's being put into their mind. And something's confusing them because you're saying that's not right. But what they're seeing seems to be so fun. And then they go into a school environment and they're not allowed to even bring up the name of God or to mention that in a classroom or in a setting of that nature because they might offend somebody. Y'all probably going to have to vote in a new pastor next week. The agenda is being shoved down the throat of America. Now, I know the best way to do it, just turn that sucker off. Find something better. Get a Laurel and Hardy or a Three Stooges. But don't be entertained by evil. I don't ever want to get to the place that I'm comfortable watching something that goes against everything that I know to be true. Amen. And I don't ever want to get to the place that I'm not offended by that. You say, really, you're really narrow. I know. Somebody told me one time my, my brain was as narrow as one BB could roll down it and have plenty of room on both sides and not get stuck. That's all right. Call me whatever you want to call me. This book has been a lamp to my feet and a light. And this book still calls some of that stuff sin. And it calls it wrong. And what, what, what God calls wrong, I want to keep calling wrong. And what God calls right, I want to call right. And that's what I want to embrace. That's what I want to live. I want to live godly, peaceably. I want my family to be blessed. I don't want my children or your children growing up confused and and thinking, well, is it okay to be that way? Is it okay to do that? Is it okay to drink? Is it okay to brag about how much liquor you can drink? Did you know that verse was in the Scripture? It doesn't say it like that in the King James, but in every translation that I've read, it says that, that they brag about how much liquor. What is the number one selling item, liquid item in the world right now? Beer or liquor? Not water. We got plenty of that, but the number one selling, Coors, have a cool one. Paps, Blue Ribbon. Bud Light. And then they come up with Buzz Lightyear. That's not very far away. You say, Brother, you're being really way out there. Tell me. Tell me. Maybe I am a little out there. But I think I'm going to stay out there. Amen. God, don't let the lamps go out in our life. Let us keep it burning, vigilant. Amen. Young people, if you keep singing like you sang tonight with that anointing of God on your life, it's going to help keep those lamps burning. Amen.
If you keep praying like I've heard prayer going on in this place, it's going to help keep the lights burning. It's going to help keep the lamp clean. It's going to make sure that the light that shines is true light. Amen. Amen. Reach over and take somebody by the hand. Oh, Holy Ghost, tonight. God, I don't even know what to do at this moment. I don't even know what to say, God. I pray that you would help us understand that we live in an hour that needs diligence and vigilance and we need to be conscious of the the things going on. We cannot embrace all of these evils and then, then wonder why our lives are messed up and our families are broken. We've got to make a We've got to make up our mind. God, I want to live right. I want to live clean. I want the blessings of the Lord upon my life. I want your approval. I want your smile. I want your favor. I want your anointing. I want you to bless this church, Lord. I want us to fall in love with the light. I want us to fall in love with light so much so that we cannot stand the darkness. God, we cannot stand anywhere where there is darkness. And we want to go there and take light because we, we hate darkness. We don't want darkness. We want light to come. Lord, help us to be a light and a witness and an example to everybody everywhere we go and all that we do. Let there be an influence, God, a godly influence that comes from your people. Something, Lord, that can resonate in our nation and in our community and in our homes and among our families, Lord, that will bring revival. We need a turning, Lord, in our nation. We need a revolution. We need a revolution, Lord. We need you to move in a mighty, mighty way. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah.